you, Abstract Square Podcast. This is episode number four. What's up? I'm hype. I hear you, as always. <laughs> I'm hype too, man. Good to see you, Chad. What's going on, man? You excited, man? You alive? No, no, I'm super excited. I just don't have too many different tones of voice. Oh, this is exciting time. Yeah, but when you're cool, you're cool. Oh, Supreme Tea. I forgot. This is what we roll. We with. haven't decided if we're gonna roll with that or not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it actually. <laughs> Why? I told you last week. It's pretty corny. It's like overpaying for stuff that's kind of corny. That's not really me. M- maybe it is. I think that's all the way you. No, actually, you're right. Yeah. Um, As he puts on his, what are those? How do you pronounce those again? What are those shades called? Fire. <laughs> <laughs> are those Prada Gucci? I can't tell. Today we're going Gucci. Um, oh, today. Yeah. Today. Yeah. yeah. Wow, yo! So 420 just passed. It sure did. How do you feel about it? Indifferent, you know. It's not really my thing. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just, uh, you know, I think it was cool. A lot of th- commercial things happening. A lot of people took advantage of it. So culture's definitely changing. So yeah, I think it was cool. it was interesting to hear like athletes talk about 420. That was really interesting. Bleacher Report did that. Uh, what was it called? They did a little 420 special with yeah. all different athletes. Some that smoked while they were playing. Some before. Pretty interesting. Now if. We we've all played some sport in our past, right? Like, say you were an athlete today, would you would you indulge? No, no. Um, I'm a little bit more cautious. I w- I wouldn't be willing to w- risk my contract and my playing time and those kind of things. But I I do understand the the healing properties and the re- relaxation when it comes to you know I played basketball 82 games of just like wear and tear on your bones and yeah I get it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's quite interesting how before they start the season, they get drug tested. Right. And then they smoke through the season. Right. And, I, yeah, some of them do during the season. And some of them get tested earlier. Some of them get tested later. I'm sure the ones that are questionable get tested earlier because they don't want to affect their uh, their contracts and things like that. So Right. But I do recall a couple basketball players getting tested during the season. Once in a while. I think th- those are the ones that already had – a history, and they were just kind of trying to get him out there. What's the guy? The dark-skinned guy from Dallas. He's a standout. I can't think of his name. They got him out the league. He won a championship with Dirk, and he did something something silly, talking about how he smoked, and then, like, they tested him the next season, and he's been out the league ever since. Oh, I don't I remember who that was. Josh something. I don't remember. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. They Pretty had it out right. for him. Yeah, but that, that's when they tested him when they're out for you, I think. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like corporate America to me. Sounds like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's so interesting because uh, when I think about 420, I think about the, the, the legalization of it and um, how we we still need to continuously be smart about how we use it. You know, like I have a, a younger brother-in-law and, I, and he's gotten in trouble for it, actually. Mm. And I've always told him, like, look, man, if you're gonna do it, just be smart about it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, what what cool is it than than doing it outside? You know, like, what are you gaining from that? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you want to enjoy it, then enjoy it. I don't think you need to have everyone see you smoke it. Right. You know, and I don't think these kids understand that piece. It's like, if you're gonna do it, just be smart about it. You know, because you'll be shocked at how many uh, people that work in Fortune 500 companies are going home and doing things much worse than that. Definitely. And then get up and kill it in a meeting. I mean, for that, <laughs> with that idea in mind, I mean, some of them, some people are actively doing things worse, much worse than that, like in the office. But again, you just wouldn't know. Right. 
So. Yeah, just be smart about it. Yeah, just be smart. You so, think you know, twenty conversation? Just be smart next year, tomorrow, whenever. Just indulge if you need to, but hold your head out there. Yeah, seriously. But yo, thank you. I want to say thank you to me. Yeah, man. What did I do? Yo, these shorts. Oh yeah. Shout out to um tradition ever since. Yeah. Official. Fired. So we repping Clark Atlanta University. We got these shorts. They almost got like a Don C appeal to it. Definitely. Fire. Yeah, real game material. I'm big on the material of my shorts. Yeah, you can't really throw these in the dryer. Yeah, not not you know, no cheap little fifty dollar shorts. They're the the um the throwback of the, the swing men that the rest of these people are wearing out here. So Right. The nice, nice, nice material. Shout out again to the tradition ever since. Yeah, thank you for that. Cause um I probably would have never bought them if it wasn't for you. I mean, I'm glad that I'm out here wearing a Black Panther on my, on my shorts every once in a while. <laughs> Shout out to Clark and Lena Mascot. <laughs> and I, I, t- I told Thomas yesterday, I'm like, this completes it for me. Because, you know, I started out going to Morris Brown College. Got me one of those jerseys. And, uh, I think Chad is waiting for me to dump on Morris Brown. But I, <laughs> listen, man, I, res- I respect higher education regardless of whether it's really high school or not. Nah, it's so funny. I catch a lot of heat. I, I catch a lot of heat when I post anything Clark Atlanta related. All of the more Brown people come for me. Really? Yeah, because I left after freshman year and man. went to Clark. Right, but I, I, I man, more Brown people know how to use the internet. <laughs> oh, you said <laughs> you weren't gonna dump on Mob. I did twice. The first was a sub, but you didn't catch it. That's crazy. Nah, shout out to my people at Moby. I think a lot of people... So I left before all of the the financial challenges happened, right? Like nice if, way to say it. If, if I could be quite... Before shit started fucking up. <laughs> I left that shit because I, I need my credits to count out here. <laughs> Yo, so you, you want to know the real reason why I left? So literally, I left Morris Brown because the day my parents dropped me off, I got drunk. We went to Studio Central. <laughs> we had blue motherfuckers, and I got so drunk. I literally woke up, and it was the end of the semester. Like, that's what it felt like. Oh, my goodness. I partied all first semester. And I'm like, this is way too easy. I had a 3.0 yeah. partying way too easy <laughs> for me. That's crazy. Then, second semester, took some more challenging courses. I'm like, yo, I'm about to still go party. Yeah. About to go hang out. Do all types of wildness freshman year. Semester ended, had a 3.0. I said, Better man than me. I said, can't <laughs> do this. I'm like, yo, I'm spending, at the time, it was like 18, 18 a year at MOB. Yeah. I was like, if I'm going to pay for this, because that's what was happening, you know, Sally and I paid for this together. <laughs> Sally and I. Shout so, out to Sally. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, nah, let me go see what's up with Morehouse and Clark, because I wanted to stay in Atlanta. Right. I had the opportunity to go to Morehouse. I like I like that you were able to do to have self reflection at 18 years old. Because yeah. I didn't self reflect. I had to wait until I was on academic probation to, <laughs> to step my game up. <laughs> Yo, so um, I ended up choosing Clark because I was still young in mind, and I was like, I'm not going to school with a bunch of guys. Right. And that was that was the decision I made in terms of my 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 opportunity to go to Clark. So I went to Clark, and I'm like, yo, I'm about to do the same thing I did last year. Went to Clark, first semester, ended up with a 2.2. Talk about it. <laughs> I was like, got that call from my mom. She's yeah. like, hey, so got this letter in the mail. Yeah, I got that same letter. And uh, do you want to come home? And I'm like, absolutely not. 
Uh, my mom was more like, get your shit together. Oh, you're nah. not coming home. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yo, this is it. And here I am. Like, that was how I transitioned to Clark. Interesting thing you just said. And, you know, maybe we're going into this topic a little sooner than anticipated. But if I could choose all over again, I, I definitely choose Clark. But for my children, if I had a young man that I was raising, I think I'd be happy with a Morehouse man. Pause. I don't know if I could. I don't know. This is weird. <laughs> you paused on a morehouse. I don't know. Man. I don't know how to. What is pause about that? I got friends that went to morehouse. New York City habit. Um, a terrible habit at that. But yeah, I, I think that I'd like to raise my son as one that would attend morehouse because I really appreciate what they do for for young black men. I really do. Is it the tradition? It's the tradition that morehouse men don't walk; they saunter. <laughs> I mean that conversation in itself is is uplifting, and um, I really like the Morehouse approach. Not that I don't like the Clark approach, but I really appreciate uh, my friends that went to Morehouse and the way that the uh, the university raised them is to be responsible adults for the most part. Yeah, that first week, I, I must say that first week at Clark, I don't think it lined up with the first week for Morehouse and Spelman. Like, they really take them through, like, the yeah. history and the tradition, and they really make you feel proud about attending Morehouse and Spelman. Well, I, I, we didn't get that. I, I got that. I got that. Um, I won't say that I got it in the same way that Spelman and Morehouse got it. I'm probably more proud now than I was then. I think that's just a natural thing, being young and dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that they, they instill that. I just, I just don't know if we actually care. Like, being from up here in New York, being down there, you kind of got this chip on your shoulder when you're in Atlanta. And you just kind of don't care about anything. You don't listen to anything. Right. Um, but I think that if if I even knew, like, what an HBCU was before I even got there, yeah, I probably would have cherished it a lot more. And I think some people did. I did. But my, my lineage and my family, they all went to FAMU. And wow. I made the decision not to go to FAMU. In a very Chad-like <laughs> manner. <laughs> Let's go against the grain. Instead of going to big-ass FAMU and having a... <laughs> having a ball, I'm gonna end up at Morris yeah, Brown. I wanted, you know, I wanted, <laughs> I wanted no parts of family. I wanted no parts of Florida. That's wild. Yeah. So the lineage of my family are all Rattlers, and um, I went to Morris Brown, and my my cousin, he he took the same approach. He's maybe eight years older than I am, and he went to Morehouse. And actually, before I made the decision to to go to Morris Brown, he was pushing me to go to Morehouse. So I thought it was quite interesting once. I went into my sophomore Again, year. You went against the grain. Obviously. Shout out to your cousin, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I don't know if you if you noticed it, but when we all met on the yard after that, um, what did we call it? That that when the olive branch, the olive branch. When we met on the yard, did you realize that the Spelman and Morehouse people they just had their like nose in the air? They wanted no parts of us. I didn't notice that. I mean, the girls liked me. <laughs> that was the third week. I mean, yeah. So, so the first day. Who's was this kid with the Gucci Air Force Ones on? They did. Actually, we got in, So my, my freshman year at Morris Brown, we got into a fight with Morehouse first week. Yeah. See, I wasn't a fighter like that in school. There's too many nice women. And I met my wife there. So if I was beating people up, she might not have liked me. Yo, get out of here, man. Get honest, man. You gotta be a little smart with these decisions, like it's 420. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, I didn't cool. I did not meet my wife in Atlanta, so my, well, you sort of did though. Kind of might have been a good idea for you me. You sort of did, actually. 
Yeah, but no. In a roundabout way. Yeah, but she wasn't living in Atlanta. That's the difference. It wasn't geographically, but by your network that was established in Clark, Atlanta, you right. met your wife. I already, already, I was past that life by that time, though. Okay. Like this, yo, we actually so have not true. we actually have friends that still live the college life. Not anymore. To a certain extent, they still do. Yeah, they do. But yeah, let's not. Let's not even but any, shout I out to by the way. <laughs> oh yeah, he doesn't live that life at all. <laughs> the total opposite of that college life. <laughs> See you soon. <laughs> but nah, I want to stick on this HBCU thing because I was having a conversation with um, Gray Rizzy. He was actually on episode two. Um, if you guys go back and listen, shout out to Gray Rizzy. He made me want to get a nickname out here. <laughs> <laughs> but we were talking the other day, and we got into the conversation about HBCUs. And he asked me a really great question. Um, he said, would you want your daughter to go to an HBCU? And my response to that was, no. Why? And he was quite shocked by that. I'm shocked myself. But I get it. But I'm shocked. But I, I'm, I'm interested for you to take this where you're taking it. Right. So the reason the reason behind that is, right, like, I, th- I think about, so I always tell my friends that I try to plan for things, right? Like, I try to. <laughs> try. <laughs> <laughs> I try to plan for things like long term. Even when it came down to my daughter's name, like don't soon name as, by the way. I'm not gonna say <laughs> on this pod. Y'all stay away from my. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like when I found out I was having a daughter, I wanted I wanted to be conscious about what I named her. I wanted to essentially brand her. You know, like I wanted to make sure when she turned, even if before she turned 18, she got into an opportunity where. She would, would be a public figure or people would know her name. I want to be branded well. Shout out to Joao Katima. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wanted to make sure I branded her. And so I think about her brand as she goes through life and the, the, the society that we're in. And I'm saying to myself, if she goes to HBCU, what does her network look like? That's my favorite part of coming from an HBCU. Is your network? It is my network, but you don't think your network is small? Um, I don't. In the grand scheme of things, so the rule, the rule is you need to be able to reach whoever you need to reach within three phone calls, right? Right. Like I don't have that network. Then, th- um, that's my point. However, I do have a network that I am very proud of, very comfortable speaking with, and I mean, while I may not be able to have a conversation with Mark Zuckerberg in three phone calls. I am able to have a conversation with a lot of powerful people, and I may be able to get to Mark in like ten calls, right? Maybe that's a stretch because it's Mark, but like it's it's not really bad. I, I really like my network. I think it could have been better. Yeah, to, yeah, right. It could be, but I, I it's relative to um, who you want to speak to, right? Like I'm I'm glad that I can go out today. We're gonna go to this picnic up in Riverbank uh, Riverbank State Park, and I haven't told anyone that I'm coming. No one has told me they're going, but we're going to see our network there, right? Mm-hmm. And there are going to be some people that are going to be your lawyers, your doctors that you're going to patronize and, and utilize throughout your, like, you know, as you move around. And I'm happy that I can, hey, I need a lawyer. I can call one of my friends. Um, and yeah. they're going to be a good lawyer. They're going to understand me as opposed to, you know, if I go to Princeton, it probably you, just be a... Well, let me ask you this question. Do you believe in a diverse network? I do. Do you think your network is diverse? Yes, I do. Because my professional life lends to the other part of my network. Think about it. And you I don't see to... anyone like me within, you know, work hours. So you went to a predominantly African-American high school, right? Yes. And then you went on to go to a 
predominantly let's, historically let's, black college. Let's just call it what it is, right? I went to, to high school completely in the ghetto, which was complete culture shock for me, although I lived there. So K through eight, I didn't really understand like that I was in the hood. Right. Um, so having that best of both worlds, I kind of really understand what it is to be diverse. Right. Okay. So you, you, you although you, you lived in the hood, went to school in the hood, and then left the hood, and then you went to another black school in the hood. Do you get where I'm going with that? Like, No, no. Going to black college is not, although you're physically in the hood, you're going to, I mean, we, we laugh and joke, but like Oprah's niece was in clock when we were there. Like, it's not really the hood. <laughs> you're just physically in downtown Atlanta. Right. But so let's look at, let's look at Brian. Brian couldn't be here today for, for, for uh, family reasons, but Brian went to Georgia Tech. Right. His network is completely different from our network. It is. That's that's my point. Okay. That's my point is so Brian he went to Georgia Tech, and the reason we know Brian is because he went to he like hung out on the AUC campus. Right. You know what I'm saying? So his network is much broader than ours. You know he's got you know Brad and I'm just a random name, right? And Brad his his lineage his lineage could come from um eight 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 grandfathers back of owning properties and real estate right like that's my point is I want to I want her to be exposed to more than just us and I think if you take your child to an HBCU you're sort of limiting it a little bit because the schools are much smaller they're private as, as opposed to you know going to a Georgia Tech that may house 13,000 freshmen or students that year. Clark only has 5,000. That's your there's an there's an 8,000 there there are 8,000 more people that she could be networking with. Well, it depends on what your goal in higher education really is, right? So I got a tip when I had gone to Clark that, you know, half the students here are here to get a job, right? right. And I, I wasn't that person at all. I was there to get an education. If you're there solely to get an education and you're not if the network is not necessarily looking to translate into like dollars within a company, yeah. Then then you have to make a decision as to which one is better for you, right? So is an HBCU good for you because you're getting real education? Those teachers are gonna professors are gonna fail you if, if they don't think you're doing well. Um, they're gonna really care about you. You're gonna learn a lot about your culture. You're gonna learn things. You're gonna meet other African Americans that are equally as privileged as you are. Um, there are a lot of pluses, but if you're specifically looking just to like land in a, in a in a great space, great space when it comes to employment, then yeah, you might want to like worry about that broad network, right? So it's two different it's two different games people are playing. If you're already at a point in your lineage and your generations where, um, you know, money really isn't the thing, then you know you should just go where you're more comfortable. But if it's a money thing, right? And we're worried about what kind of job I'm going to get, yeah. And that's, a t- again, a totally different conversation. You know, because for me, I went to a pretty diverse high school. You know, like we had our pockets of blacks, whites, Asians, um, all different races. And I felt like I was missing the the black culture. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to go to a historically black college. I mean, I didn't have to. When I, when I look at the schools that I applied to in high school, it was uh, Syracuse, University of Buffalo, Shout out um, to UB. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to say UB. <laughs> um, and then I applied to Hampton, Howard, uh, Clark, Morris Brown. Um, I think that's it. Maybe Lincoln. I don't that's know funny. Why. My, my mother made that decision for me, actually, for me to 
to get away from a more diverse uh, uh, educational system, right? So junior high school was very diverse. Right. The best students in Queens were all kind of got together at my high school, but it was still a public school. And she's like, you know what? My son has never really had that experience, so let it, let me put him in a, a high school that's, you know, in the area where we live. Um, and I kind of naturally wanted to go to, to Clark because I, I kind of enjoyed that experience and it was new for me. So mm-hmm. although we had different experiences by a couple of years, I, th- I think we made the choice for the same reason. I think that ultimately a child or an 18-year-old, a 17-year-old at that time will probably make a very similar choice. Like It's about comfort more at that point at 17, 18 years old. Right. Yeah, I mean – I was looking for that 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 cultural adjustment, you know, because I right. looked at it as, look, I know how to deal with different races, but <clears throat> I felt some sort of disconnection from my own. Wow, and I think that's really interesting at like seventeen. That's like again a lot of self reflection <laughs> for a seventeen year old. That's crazy, you know. And so I went, I went to, I went to Morris Brown, and um, I really had to learn how to deal with us. Like, think about it. Like, to really be put into a classroom where we had to deal with us, yeah. like, group projects. Yeah, but that us is us that I didn't experience. I didn't know. And I, I talked about this on when we were uh, recording the documentary last week. I didn't know that there were black kids smarter than me, period. I didn't know that existed because I wasn't around them, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it's, it's not just like you're around other black kids. You're around the cream of the crop black kids yeah and i think that's a an experience that you know someone's daughter or son may want to experience sometimes right. you need to know you're not like the the hot shit just because you were in your yes. neighborhood <laughs> that 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 was also uh a rude awakening for me as well because even though i went to a pretty diverse school i was somewhat amongst the pop i don't ever want to say i'm the most popular kid but i was yeah. amongst the popular crowd i was captain of the basketball team <laughs> things i like to do <laughs> Kind of ninety average, so you know. Cool. And in in high school, I was I was known known as Pretty Boy Chad, right? And so going to college, I was just Chad. Pretty Boy Chad. Yeah, might need to <laughs> might need to brand you, <laughs> right? So um, it was it was it was tough for me. Can you change your Instagram name to Pretty Boy Chad? <laughs> see how that works. It was it was tough for me going to a college and not just being Chad. Like I was amongst other attractive men at the time, and I was all fighting for the same female. When I was not used to that in high school, got what I wanted. Then I was as I became a sophomore, got what I wanted anyway. Realized they were all quirks. You did, you did all right though. Listen, man, don't talk about my friends here. Okay, I know we're way past these days, but. <laughs> no, but I, I really it's an interesting conversation. So I'll let everyone know how this thing works. So basically, we come in here, and Chad has these ideas of things he wants to converse about, and we really have no idea what we're going to talk about. <laughs> and I think it lends to the spontaneity of the conversation. Um, but this is something I'm pretty passionate about because I I don't have children yet. Um, my wife, I think she's slightly afraid, and she wants to have one more summer. She says, but that'll probably turn into two or three more. <laughs> Um, but I think about these things because I, I, I think that I'd be very happy raising a Morehouse man. I really do. And I've been thinking about this for a couple of years now. I honestly, if my daughter said, Daddy, I want to go to a historically bad college, I'm not going to turn her away. I just want to be able to set the expectation for her. Right. You know, and at the end of the day, as she becomes a young adult, I would just want her to be able to compete. And I want to do the best 
thing. I, I just want to be supportive in terms of helping her compete. I can't help her win, but I can't help her compete. You know what I'm saying? So like, I saw my coach. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think about um, my 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 senior year, and um, I interviewed at Macy's, right? For an assistant, very Atlanta of you. Yep, um, assistant buyer role, and it was a New York. It was a New York role. Um, they put me and a few folks from Emory. Of course, and they hired all the Emory kids. Shout out to Federated. <laughs> <laughs> they put me in like three. Me, one other person from Clark, and like three people from Emory on a flight together, and they told us that it'd be a group interview. It was a tabled interview where there was going to be a full day of projects and group interviews, and um, they gave us a few things to prep with. And I'm getting on my flight, and I happen to sit next to two of the, the of the girls that were from Emory that would be in the same interview with me for this role. And she's got her uh, her laptop open. She's going through her her deck, her PowerPoint that we were supposed to have ready for the interview. I'm going through mine. I look over, and hers is destroying mine. And Clark Atlanta has a really great B school, yeah. um, a really great B school. And I think a lot of people um, don't give it its just due. But I really think Clark's B school is, like, one of the best um, – especially amongst the HBCUs. But when it came to Emory, Emory also has one of the best B schools um, in the country. Um, So not the top, but one of the best. I want to be clear on that. So as I'm sitting there, I'm looking, I'm like, oh, shit, she is destroying my deck. Not only did she have (laughs) a deck, and keep in mind, I'm a creative. What kind of competitive (laughs) deck is shitting on me? Yo, (laughs) and I'm a a creative, right? So, you know, for me, anytime I look at a deck as a creative, you know, like I I always can take that creative approach to it. And my decks will always be aesthetically better than someone. As I I look at it, that's just, you know, me being confident in, in my capabilities. But... I look over and she's destroying mine by far and her friends. I'm like, yo, I am fucked. I am like, why did I just fly here and <laughs> or, and I just waste my time? I might as well just go shop instead of going to this <laughs> I just, interview. I need to go to that third floor. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. And so as I'm talking to her and, and she's talking to her classmate, they are prepping together. And they already have business cases set up. And you don't really do business cases until you get to the MBA program at Clark, if you recall, because you were in B school too. Yeah, I had a couple of MBA classes at Clark that kind of so it was a little different, and policy kind of gets you into that uh, thought process also. Um, but also, Macy's is like within the pipeline for Emory, so they very much knew what's going on. So why they set us up, and that's my point. I mean, they set us up well for other companies like Delta, Accenture, Coca Cola. You know, they, they had those conversations. Blue Links, I think, at the time also. I don't even know who Blue Links Yeah, but that's point. my point is they were set up for success because of their network. That is the at, point. At Macy's, while we were set up for success at other companies. My, You know, I think you're – I get where you're going, but you're missing my point. It was the, They were prepped. They were prepped for that. I didn't have a business case. My deck wasn't laid out the way theirs were. They were – on another level, I will 100% admit I was I, – I, I walked into my interview already feeling like I had lost it. And that's crazy coming from you because you're like a – you're a very confident person, especially when it comes to like things that are aesthetic. Yeah, I lost. Yeah. And that was – I think that was a turning point for me where I wasn't like 
I wasn't disappointed in my uh, my education from Clark Lane University. I just felt like uh, that's how it sounds and feels, and I'm, I was going to address that because it sounds and feels like you're blaming Clark, but you should have blamed Jerry. Lack of preparedness. No, or lack I'm, of I'm, being prepared. I should say no. I, so, and that's what Clark should be pre- preparing you for, right? Does Clark not prepare you to step out into the real world? Is that not what in higher education should be doing? Yeah, but you also have to take your own initiative and figure out how to navigate within the institution to prepare yourself as well. Right, but I'm what I am saying though is like they're supposed to give you the keys for success. They gave me the keys to survive. Like I will give did they not give you the keys to survive? I mean it's it's kind of like ironic, right? Cuz we're talking about a Macy's interview and like you know my wife <laughs> like spent almost 10 years at Macy's and she's talking and educated. Right, but look what it took for her to get there. It took her to navigate it took her network actually to be to be quite frank. Um, but all in all, the yeah, end result. And end result. So <laughs> the Macy's piece is, is an example, but it I is. think the the bigger the bigger issue for me was the setup. Right, like if I hadn't if I had gotten that job, what would life look like for me? Because honestly, right out of college, I went into customer service. Right, that's real. I worked at a mailroom right out of college. Little known fact. <laughs> Little, well, I tried to start a business and then ended up in the mailroom just to make ends meet. Yeah, so um, it all worked out anyway. <laughs> right, you know, like things did work out, but like literally, I started out in customer service and then things started to progress for me um, slowly but surely to get to where I am today. But I just think back, like, what if I had known like the things to do in order to prep better? You know, like I thought that the B school prepped me enough to walk into that interview confidently because that's how much I believed in Clark, and I still believe in Clark's B school. I still do. I think it's one of the best. You know, I so. think it is. I'll tell you this: I need a Clark, and a lot of young men and women need HBCUs because they're not necess- They're coming from impoverished neighborhoods. They're coming from like tough situations where. They're not really ready for higher education, right? So, like, I had a, a small opportunity to go to Princeton while I was in high school, and I'm so glad I didn't make that decision. And and people will, like, laugh and joke and say, why wouldn't you want to go Ivy League, right? Like, I had the grades and everything to go there and the talent and all those different things. But I, I would have failed out <laughs> within months. <laughs> it wouldn't have worked out for me. I mean, I was hardly competitive at Clark, let alone at Princeton. So, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a reason and there's a case and there's a, you know, it makes sense for – Someone to end up in an HBCU or, or or community college for that matter, depending on your level of education prior to you actually ended up in that institution. All I'm hearing is you were scared. I wasn't scared. <laughs> I wasn't scared at all. I, actually, I was I was ill prepared rather than scared to, to get into any other university. I was ill prepared to get to Clark, let alone another institution that would have been more so, challenging. So, and I don't think this is about placing blame, but do you think your your high school education didn't prepare you enough to walk into that? That yeah. So that's my I, that's my point, though. It that's is your what point. I, that's it, what it's I'm your saying. Point. It's your point when it comes to your college education not preparing you well enough for the next level, correct? Yes, that's my point. My point and, is that before that even happens, <laughs> you know, you need to choose a school, right? A, a college to go to, and your right. your high school may not be well enough suited for you to just step out there and say, hey, I need to go to Harvard. You may not be prepared for that. I mean, and I were the top (laughs) students in our high school, like, by far. And, you know, we ended up doing well in college later on, but 
he'll tell you the same thing. We weren't prepared to just step out there and compete with those that were perfect scores in their SATs and, you know, things like that. It's wasn't right. a thing. You can pick your school, though. You can't pick your job when you get out of school, when you get out of college. Some can, and that's based on their network. It's also based on what they're taking advantage of once they're in that institution. It You know, internships go a long way. You know that. Right. Relationships within the school mean a lot. Um, I, th- I think they're similar games, but I, I do agree with you to a certain extent that it's a lot harder choosing your career. There's money attached to it. It's a little different. Right. Yeah. So, think- you know, and so I think about those things, and I'm like, if I had to choose, I would want her to go to a white college. Yeah, I love my life at this point, right? Yeah, and that's the and that's and that's the conflicting piece for me is because I really, 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 really enjoyed my historically black college experience. I really did. Um, I'm repping, by the way. I'm just letting you know that <laughs> <laughs> we just we just got the shorts. Like, no, I love Clark. I, I love, love everything. Clark. I love Clark, but I am so I am speaking selfishly for setting up my child, though. Right. You but know, you're, but you're responsible more for. I am setting her up that she's responsible for herself. So I know, and and at some point I'm gonna have to let her go. I can only set her up to compete. I can't set her up to win. I, I don't necessarily believe in letting your children go, though. I I do. I was I was let go. Right. I left at 18 and never went back. Right. You know. So. But that's that's general. Well, there's, you know, nothing's a perfect science. But I think that you're more when you let your child go at 18 to do what they please and if your family didn't necessarily let you go right like you left and yeah not like holla no <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I think that i'm responsible for my child or child to be i should say until i until i perish you know it's yeah. it's, it's no and I, nah, I think you're misunderstanding. I'm I'm never going to stop being a parent. My my parents to this day still worry about me and they said they would now worry about my daughter. Like right. that that full let go is that's not exactly what I mean, but okay. I, I do want her to experience things without me hovering over her. You know, right. like my parents didn't hover over me. Like I want her to like exp- like go through trials and tribulations, you know, so she so she knows how to come out of it. Where are you most comfortable going with her going through trials and tribulations? It's so funny. I told my wife the other day, I was like, I, I kind of want her to experience you know, sharing uh, breadsticks with her roommates and that being dinner because that's what I went through. And I know that I'm, I know how to come out on the other end of that. Did you not eat oodles and noodles? And that was only dinner because I used it to was eat whack- oranges because it was drink and food at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like, you know, I, I guess I, I want to be able to make sure she has a real meal. But at the end of the, I think for me, the part that's, t- that's tough for me is I want her to know how to come out of something Why without feeling. Why did you eat breadsticks? <laughs> Yo, we all on the all on our... Morris Brown? Yeah. We it sounds very Morris Brown. Yeah, it was definitely Morris Brown. Uh, because when I went to Clark, it was just chicken tenders. So... <laughs> yeah, like, I definitely had a full meal plan until like 11 at night. <laughs> <laughs> it was chicken tenders. Like you don't get fresh with fifteen from like breadsticks. <laughs> yo, we literally put like our dollars together and we was like, yo, we about to get these garlic breadsticks who who walk into Papa John's with That's us. Wild. Yo, but and that was our and literally we would come from playing basketball and eat breadsticks and that was and have whatever alcohol was left over from the weekend before and that was dinner for us. That is a degenerate 
college experience. <laughs> that was a great so experience bad. because you know what? I, I look at my and, and I look at my wife. She um she went to FIT. She stayed home and went to school. And her experience was completely different from mine. She doesn't know what it's like to be in a, a dorm room and share a, a shower and a toilet with 30 other men on the floor. Yo, tell a quick Clark story, though, right? I always laugh at this one. So we stayed in the uh, freshman year. We stayed in all male dorm. And we stole all of the shower curtains from all the stalls. <laughs> so if you weren't cool, you didn't have a shower curtain. <laughs> I have my shower curtain, needless to say, <laughs> shared with my homeboy down the, down the hall. But those experiences are really, really important to have, that I could still laugh and joke, and those are still my brothers today that I shared shower curtains with. <laughs> <laughs> shower curtains. <laughs> yeah, but you came out of those situations, and, and that's what I'm saying about her. I, I would love for her to go through the, the, those experiences of coming out of a situation where she was able to conquer, you know, because those things translate over into the real world. Yeah. You know, um, you know, like once you graduate, you think you're coming out making 60, 80 K, yo, yeah. get out of here. That especially is these, not like, happening. Especially like the millennial, uh, uh, college graduate these days. I mean, I, I know they come out looking for a hundred grand just out the gate, out the gate. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? We thought we were going to get a hundred out the gate. I thought I was going to be, an executive at like twenty two years old, right? Nah, that yo. So when we were in school, it was I think the threshold number was forty k when we got out of school. I remember telling my wife now I made forty grand when I was like twenty two, and I said it like I was rich. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I get like forty, right? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was the man. What? Yo, and these kids these days, they really think like six like six figures is the beneath new, them. Like a hundred is the new forty. Yeah. <laughs> You're bugging. Nah, it does not work that way. So, you know, and I and I think I think about these things and if my daughter decides to go to Spelman, Clark Atlanta, Bethune Cookman, Grambling, Howard, Hampton, and that's where she wants to go, I'm going to support her. Just not Lincoln. Just not Lincoln. <laughs> I'm just talking. Shout out to everybody that was Lincoln. You know, I'm going to support her, but I do want her to take a look at a few other schools that are not historically black and and really weigh the decisions on it um, based on whatever she thinks her major will be, and that could potentially change. Just like I think, what really comes down to is how well she performs in high school, how well prepared she is in high school to make her next move, and then you can decide whether or not she needs to go to. Bethune, Cookman, or Cornell. All right, let's look at it from an athlete perspective. Yeah. So, you're quiet perf- face receive. <laughs> As an athlete, <laughs> oh, right? see, why, why, why is why is it now quiet? Why why can't historically black colleges have the same sort of recognition as you know Tennessee University of Tennessee? They can, but we're playing a numbers game at that point, right? So I have a friend. Well, he was a friend when I was growing up. The one to HBCU. Ended up playing for the Knicks. There was no way you would think that this Norfolk State kid would ever, like, play in the NBA. It mm-hmm. just kind of didn't add up. If all the things didn't align, he would never become a professional. Like, he just happened to, like, kill in the tournament right. and make it work out. But it's just if – you're, if you're taking athletics to the point where you'd like to be a professional, there's not a program that I'm aware of. Football, maybe. If you can do HBCUs as a, as a football player. I'm just thinking mm-hmm. about basketball. 
Yeah, I'm thinking more basketball, but it's a numbers game for for athletes. Why is it not for students though? Yeah, as as you make really good points. <laughs> as I was saying, and I was like listening to myself, like this is very similar to the scholastic game. It's right, pretty similar. That's my point. You know, like and that and it goes back to my original statement. I just want her to be able to compete. But it also comes back to my original statement where it depends how how well prepared you really are to become that professional. So if you're like top of the class, scholastically excellent, then you know maybe maybe you're a little bit beyond. And I hate to even say this, maybe you just do need to go to Harvard because you're that far ahead. Right. But if you're like the standout basketball player, maybe you do need to go to North Carolina because you are that far ahead. But if you're not that person, then you do have these options that are not, you know, the top, the creme de la creme of these universities. So because you're not a standout athlete. You're saying, oh, well, I might as well just go to a Clark Atlanta University. I'm not saying I might as well, but what aligns best with who you are? What aligns best with your skill set? Right? So if I if I love playing basketball and I'm just not that good, there's no reason for me to go to North Carolina <laughs> it just, or Duke. It just doesn't make sense. But why not? I mean, we've all heard the walk-on story. Why not go and attempt to be a walk-on? It depends on your, your specific situation. Firstly, not everyone is... Their families are not financially prepared for them to be a walk on, right? So right. It, just, it just doesn't align. I think it's a it's a real case by case basis. Again, I'll say I had a chance to go to an Ivy League, but looking back at it, I'm glad I didn't because I would it would have been the worst thing ever for me. All right, let's look at someone from your neighborhood that did go to an Ivy League. Yeah, he's ran for Congress recently. Um, I think my, my uncle went to went to um, Harvard. and he went to Howard also. All right, I was thinking a lot more. Sort like let's talk about Tristan. Very very interesting. Talk about that. Yeah, because <laughs> this is a great example of of two two people that went to that that lived in a uh, the same neighborhood and um, went down two different paths. Right. So we're talking about Tristan Walker, who um, is the owner of Walker and Co., whose products are Bevel and so forth. So talk right. about that because. I think that will help people understand sort of like where I'm going with this. Yeah. So I, 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 I this is interesting. Very <laughs> interesting. So, so I went to the boys club in Flushing, New York with Tristan. We played basketball there and we were cool. Probably like the best basketball players, him, me, him, him, myself, my brother. Um, and I remember pretty well when we all had to make decisions, decisions as to where we were going to high school. And I don't know how he got into his prep school, but there's a thing in New York City called Prep for Prep where a lot of kind of like standout students go to. I know that I got accepted into Prep for Prep and I had an opportunity to go to prep school. Um, I went home and told my mom that I wanted to go to prep school. My mother's like, you crazy. You're going to school right here in the hood. <laughs> That's <laughs> wild. Somewhat, right? I mean, well, she didn't necessarily understand the the benefits of that network that you're speaking of. Yeah, but it's 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 wild, but not wild because you come from um, a family that are, a family of educators, right? But there's there's levels to these educa- <laughs> to this education, right? Um, there are on on the other note, a Tristan, right, from the same neighborhood I'm from, played same basketball, went to the same you know situations. Um, he went to prep school, you know. Got in a different view of the world than I did, um, and I'm not comparing he and I at all. I'm just kind of, I guess I am comparing in a certain way, but I, not a negative way at all. Um, and he went to you know a school locally, and then go to Stanford, and your network kind of changes. So 
I, I, mm. I, I can agree with you, but, but, <laughs> but again, he's also a really, really smart person, right? So if he wasn't well equipped, but so are you? Yes, I am, and I probably would have been smarter if had I like taken that challenge of going into prep school, right? Um, but forget the, the 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 IQ, right? It's the network kind of does build. You do build that network at that point, but if you're but if you don't have the IQ to be around that network, then it, it just doesn't kind of like fail out and drop out right. and give up. So it's very case by case. So you see how I walked Thomas down this lovely well, path? Yeah, it's path. Of, <laughs> I know. walked him down to prove my point. You yeah. just said it. Is but his I also, network. I said it, but also I stand firm in everything is not for everyone. Okay. So understand that you may you just may not be prepared for the best of the best. And that's just a harsh reality. So, I mean, and... I, that's 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 what I struggle with is when we think about historically black colleges, we automatically say things like that. Yeah, and I don't even like saying things like that. You know, because I I'm still I'm proud to to be a Panther. I I really am. And but when we look at the landscape of some of the other schools, you know, it's and the the ability to compete once we get out, it is much different. You know, I, I work in I work in HR, um, on the town acquisition side. And in the past, I've I've seen hiring managers look for candidates that come from the same schools that they come from. So, I ask you, how many how many alum have reached out and offered you a job? None. Uh, well, one, um, one definitely, um, or at least put me in position, right? And I've put a lot of people in position as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't say offer me a job. That's that's not that's not necessarily true. But I will say that my friends, myself, we all navigated industry within our Clark kind of alumni network. Right. And so, and I think that's the frustration part for me coming out of Clark is not understanding what our alum looks like and where we are. I think that's because you're, you may not be around them as often. I don't need to be around them. I'm in talent acquisition. Right. You know, I'm on LinkedIn, and I don't see us in places where we support each other. And for anyone out there, I'm always willing to help my alum. Even uh, yo, but how about the, how about the ones that you try to help? And I'll, I'll back you into this corner because <laughs> you back me into mine. How about the ones that you try, the, the <laughs> I'm crying laughing. The ones you try to help that are ill prepared. That. Their LinkedIn may say they're very prepared, may say they're in marketing, and they haven't marketed a thing in their lives. <laughs> that's a that's a conversation that I gotta have. I gotta talk to them. Like they're my please talk to them because man, it's like the the, the football player. <laughs> <laughs> like we said last week with the football player that you know plays for a year and a half. Yeah, you know, it's like I, I have to be honest with them and be and say like are these skills real? Yeah. You know? It's funny because they may not even know they're not real. Like, people think that, so, you know, I work in marketing and advertising, and people think that's the easiest thing in the world. And if they had any idea what my day looks like, it's way outside of what you could ever imagine. People think that, and this is a, you know, a general statement, that, um, you know, if you can use social (laughs) <laughs> that you're a marketer. Yeah, you're a marketer. And it's like that's nowhere no, near it. No. No idea. Some people are just ill prepared. Yeah. People love using the word marketing and they love using the word strategy and they love using the word social and they think they can get any job that way. 
Now it's so false. They can. If they want to make $25,000 a year. Yeah, with some startup. But not even. Not even here in New York City. And I, you know. I, and when I say startup, I do not mean like VC startup. I'm talking like. Oh, you know, I don't even know. See, so I started my career in venture backed startups. And I don't even think of small businesses as startups. Mm. Like what's what I, I can't. I only yeah. know if you're not if you're not looking to scale, um, then I don't or scale large. I don't right. think it's a startup. I think it's a. I think that's a real smack in their face to someone that is raising million dollars, millions of dollars. Like no, that is that is, yeah, that that definitely is a smack. But I, but that's and that's my point about the just going back to the network is you know like for us as alum. From Clark Atlanta University, what is what is our what is our, our our landscape look like when it comes to opportunities? You know, like we're not looking at, um, you know, like uh, VPs, um, like reaching down and saying, "Oh, this person with the Clark, come on, we gotta bring this guy in." But I also think that's a larger issue of just opportunity in general. It's it's not necessarily just an HBCU issue, right? I mean, we're talking about. We're talking about this this idea of women not being accepted in the marketplace on you know a high level. We're talking about minority you know just in general not being accepted in the marketplace at high levels. It's not necessarily just a an HBCU thing. That's just a an opportunity thing in general. It is, but the ones that are that are at that are at the top aren't aren't bending down to help people up. That I'm, again, I, we can make that general like assumption. You know, it, I think it's it's sort of unfair to say that because by the numbers, there aren't a lot that are actually there in a in a position to actually help. So I, I don't want to put that indictment on our, our people without. All right, let's 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 get a little granular then. Let's look at the music industry. How can many of ever like? Can we just like make a pact and not <laughs> do that on this podcast? <laughs> no, because I think it's relative for us. We both at some point like dabbled in the music industry. When did I dabble in the music industry? You're, you're way connected, but that's just a. So a, you 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 can speak to the experience. Stop back my, to me, please. <laughs> and I my my first my my in, my first internship, um, I I interned at Universal. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yep, I interned at Universal, and so I, I saw firsthand what it was like to. At the end of the internship, and you're graduating, you're looking at people that look like you, that come from the same university as you, that are in positions of power, that do not even look blink an eye at giving you an opportunity to even hand out album cover flyers. Let's talk about this. First generation success never reaches back because they're way too afraid to miss out or have their second and third generations miss out on what they have. So don't expect someone that just touched money. To help you, a lot of us just touch money though. That's we're, the we're, point. So, <laughs> so what does that? So what does that say though? It says we got to be patient and allow ourselves to be in a place where we can take more risks and, so, and be a little bit more. You, what you're saying is we we're the generation that will have to reach back down. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with that. For some, for some of us, we're the first generation. Like I, I don't necessarily fall into that 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 category. But for a lot of us, we're the first generation that made more money than our parents. And, you know, we we um, just don't feel comfortable reaching back and risking it all because 
have kids and their kids' kids, and they're not set up correctly. As opposed to, you know, other families and other kind of um, lineages that, like I said this a couple podcasts ago, they're set up where if they fail, it's not like they're ever going homeless. Right. <laughs> like they'll be fine. Yeah. So it's very different. I don't know. Who wants to do better? I mean, we this will. Crab, this, this crabs in a barrel thing really bothers me. Yeah, but I, I think it's patience. And I have friends that are doing extremely, extremely, extremely well. And I get a chance to look at them, and they went to HBCUs, and they own franchises, and they're on Capitol Hill, and they are on CNBC. And you know, so many things that are like, you know, our friends are doing on a, on, a, on a regular basis that we shouldn't paint us as like needing to do better when there are several that have achieved. And you know, got, got to look at life like a pyramid, right? Like it's really easy to sit at the bottom of that pyramid. Right. Like we all, you know, a lot of folks just sit right there. But as you go higher, like it's just fewer folks there. Yeah. Very few. Very. Where are you on that pyramid? Supreme T. No, let's talk about it. I'm somewhere, <laughs> I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm not, I'm not out there. 420 and on the bottom of it. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, I think that's an important concept to always remember is, you know, look to your left, look to your right. Right. And, and look above. And there are people that are, that are, that are doing really well. And let's not act like, you know, we're the top of the, you know, top of the food chain, but wherever you are, you should reach out to help if you can. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that's, that's, that that's basically what I was, I was getting to is like, if you have the ability to help, help. You know, don't be the party promoter that makes everyone get in. Let's also not sh- <laughs> let's also not shit on the people that just can't help. <laughs> they can't. They don't help. have. The they don't room. know how to help. They don't have the. They're, they're too. Or they don't have time to help. Well, they're too afraid to help. Too- Those are the ones that bother me. But but because you you have a different set of like nuts for lack of better words. Like you're you're you have a different level of like uh you have a different relationship with fear than they have. So you can't be frustrated with someone that has a different relationship with fear than you do. It's just a different relationship. You you have success in your lineage. You just said that your family all went to fam you. If you're that first person to ever do anything, you should be a little afraid. You have no blueprint. I'm not helping. I don't know how to help. Oh, you want me to help you and lose this bag? No, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> Wait, you're not helping? No. I mean, I'm not saying me. I'm oh, saying that okay. I'm, I'm thinking I'm of like... a certain person that I know that will never help anybody. Yeah. But I understand it because, listen, she loses it then that, or he loses it, then, you know, everybody loses it. Yeah. Wow. This is a good combo, man. It better than I expected it to be. I hope everyone <laughs> else feels the same way. You know? But this, again, Chad just comes up with this shit, and I just got to roll with the punches. <laughs> me and being. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I can't wait till we have this 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 court session. With... Yeah. It's so very needed. Yeah, a lot of things to talk about. I'm going to heat him so much when he come up I here. I love the anticipation of this. Yeah, yo, he don't even understand how much I'm going to heat him. Listen, we're sitting at this table. He's going to have to stand up. <laughs> he might have to stand up. He might. So we wrapping up right now? Is yeah, man. What's the, what, is there a takeaway from this? Takeaway is, you know, stay in lane if you get side swiped. <laughs> <laughs> stay in your lane, big baller brand. It's, it's lanes, man. You got to figure out which lane you're in. And don't get side swiped. <laughs> <laughs> you should have said you heard me at the end. You was, is that what he says? <laughs> uh, big old clown guy. Nah, this is a depth episode. Um, listeners, I appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys, and um, we out. Oh, follow the IG. Oh. 
But we'll talk about we'll talk about that next episode. Wait, how you say follow IG? We ain't got it. Cause I ain't set it up yet. But I, I wanted to <laughs> oh listen, listen. We'll cut this out <laughs> if it's not there. But follow Abstract Square. Nah, this is funny. We keeping this whole shit. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> we don't even know it's, the handle's available. You talking about followers? Shit, better be available. See, there goes that Clark Atlanta education again, man. Season, season <laughs> the day. <laughs> Find a way and make one. We out. We out. <laughs>